This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit WOGCC.com. We're surrendering everything to God. We're saying, God, have your way in us, have your way in our lives, have your way in our church. And over the past couple of weeks, I've been sharing about what I believe is the vision for Word of Grace for 2016 as our focus. What are we going to focus on as a church. We know we're called to make disciples who are growing in loving God, loving people, and serving the world. But we want to have a clear strategy and goals and things that we're doing together as a church so we can know that we're growing together and growing towards that and that we're actually doing the things we said we were going to do instead of just talking about it. So over the past few weeks, we've been talking about the need to grow because Word of Grace is doing really great right now. God has done some amazing things in our church, and we only want to see that grow. But just because things are going well in our church doesn't mean that we sit on our hands and we get complacent. We go, oh, things are going pretty well. Let's just kind of coast here for a little while. If we do, we get stagnant, we get complacent, and no matter how good here is, we can celebrate about the kids, we can talk about the wonderful unity in our church, we can talk about the wonderful things we've been celebrating the life changes all those things are great and we need to celebrate those we need to thank god for those i love the unity in our church i love the fact that people are getting connected i love what's happening here and it's been just a beautiful thing to see because every church that i've ever been a part of growing up in the church i have not seen the level of unity in a local body that i'm seeing right now at this time in this local church and that's powerful to me it really is and it hasn't always been that way we go, we've had our ups and downs too, so I don't want you to get the idea that, oh, it's just always been this way. No, we, we, we've had to go through some things, and, and, and at times uh, difficult things, just like you've had in your life. You know, we, everything's not just all roses. It's not all sunshine and, and puppy dogs, uh, you know, licking your face. It's not all just, uh, you know, cotton candy, and, and it, sometimes you have difficult things that you go through, but it's not those things that define us or allow us to get stuck. No, we pick ourselves up and we keep on moving forward. But we understand the need for change when things aren't going so hot. The problem is, is that when things are going well, we can get lazy. We can get complacent. So we need to realize just because things are going well within our local church body doesn't mean we stay here. The reason we're moving forward is because we know God's calling us to grow to the next level because we can't stay here no matter how good here is, right? We want to keep on growing, keep on achieving what God has called us to do. So this year, 2016... God is calling our church family to have a vision focus of growing to the next level. And there's three specific areas that I believe God wants us to grow to the next level in. And the past couple of weeks, I shared the first two, and today I'm going to share the final one. In case you missed those, I would encourage you to go back and listen to those. If it's your first time here today, I would encourage you to go back and listen to those as well, just so you'll know kind of what our church is about and where we're going. And these are the two previous things we talked about. We said we're going to grow to the next level in maturity and family. So what did we mean when we said maturity? We said we're going to develop leaders. We're going to grow in the fundamentals. And we're going to strengthen communication and training. These are some things that we're intentionally focusing on to grow to the next level in maturity as a church. And one of those big pieces there in growing in the fundamentals has been prayer. 
I don't know if you remember or not, but last week I announced that we were going to begin having pre-service prayer. And that's at 8 o'clock, and then it's also at 10.05 in the second service. And that's just a time of prayer where we actually come and you pray as an individual, and then we gather together at the end for a united prayer, just praying over the service. We have different focuses that we put on the screen that we want to pray for. And then we also have our post-service prayer, but that's more of a ministry time where we're actually praying for people's needs who may need individual prayer. So it's a little different in case you were a little confused about that. I had someone come up to me and ask me last week, does that mean we're not going to have prayer after the service? Oh, no, 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 no. We're still going to have prayer after the service. There's always prayer available after the service if you have a need. But the pre-service prayer is more to get us focused. We pray for our volunteers. We pray for our teachers. We pray for what happens here in the sanctuary. We pray for our kids. We pray for all sorts of things before the service has different prayer focuses. So if you want to come be a part of that, those are the times. And then also, every Monday through Thursday this year, we have been having prayer here at 8.30. So if you have kids that are in school or grandchildren that are in school, you drop them off. You can come here and pray after you take the kids to school. Or if you're off of work that day, you can come. Or, or perhaps your work schedule allows you to be here. Our staff is here praying. It's been an awesome, powerful time. Every one of them have been absolutely fantastic every morning. There will be different prayer focuses, different things that we do. It's been really a cool time. So if you can, come out because we want to grow in maturity in the fundamentals. Amen? Amen. And those things are prayer, they're understanding and applying scripture, and they're just simply being available. Now, the next thing we talked about growing to the next level in is family. And that's what I preached on last week. I said, we're going to grow to the next level as a church family because, man, it's been special to see what God has done here. It's been really cool how people have gotten connected. So we want to take that to the next level. And what we're going to do is we're going to begin to have cross-generational mentoring where it's not just something where uh, people who are of a certain age who think a certain way that they're in this camp and then another group's in this camp. No, we're going to begin to have cross-generational mentoring and provide opportunities to do so. And let me tell you something awesome. Last week, after my message, I had three different people come up to me and say, Pastor, I totally get this. I totally see the need to do this. I want to be a part of helping do this. I want to be a part of helping do this. I want to be a part of helping do this. Just bam, bam, bam. And then we also saw that uh, there was a young couple here uh, that day that I told you about that uh, 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 an older couple in our church blessed this younger couple uh, with, with just uh, the ability to be able to travel because uh, the wife was going to go see her husband graduate. Um, from uh, basic training in the military, and she wasn't going to be able to make it. And I didn't even share that need. I didn't even know that was a need. But a couple went and talked to them and found out there was a need there, and they blessed them with that. I'm like, this is that cross-generational caring for one another, getting involved in one another's life. It was a beautiful, awesome thing. So it was wonderful to see some fruit from that right after the message. You know, so absolutely fantastic, very encouraging. And then also deepening community group engagement. Man, we kicked off our community group, groups a little over a year ago, and we've seen a lot of success with the way that we've been doing community groups, but we've learned a lot too. And we're always evaluating and going back saying, how can we improve? How can we make this better? What did we do right? What are we doing wrong? What needs some work? And as we've done that, we want to deepen that engagement because we believe here at Word Grace we're called to make disciples, and discipleship happens best in the context of relationship. And so that's where trust is built is when we have relationship, Right? That's where I'm really going to get help is when I know somebody. That's when I'm really going to be challenged and encouraged. That's when I'm really going to be able to grow is when I have those relationships. So we want to deepen that engagement this year as a focus. <laughs> also to grow in family, we're going to strengthen unity and value. Because, man, it's been a beautiful thing seeing the unity here at Word of Grace. Because uh, we know a house divided against itself can't stand, right? <laughs> 
And, and we see the beauty of unity and what God has done in our church family. It's been amazing where people just want to do life together. But part of that is coming through us growing and valuing one another. Where part of our mission is that we say, you know what, I want them to know and feel value. I want people who are part of my church family to know they matter. To know that they uh, are important and know that they are valuable and to feel that. Because it's one thing for the people of God to say, God loves you, but yet if I don't feel like the people who say God loves me value me, then how can that truly be true in my heart? You know what I'm saying? Because sometimes we don't get that because we know it's the right thing to say, but are we feeling that from one another? And I think that that's been definitely growing and increasing. It's been awesome to see, but we want to only take that to the next level and i'm looking forward to seeing more and more things happen where we're intentionally doing things to grow as a church family and the last thing that we're going to do and the title of my message this week is we're going to grow to the next level in influence we're going to grow to the next level in influence because god has called us to be a people of influence for his kingdom for his glory and for his purpose because we have the greatest message in the world that's the message of jesus christ amen And there is a world that needs to hear that message. And so we want to grow in influence for his kingdom, for his glory, and so that people can be saved and come to Christ. So therefore, we need to equip the body for evangelism. We need to know how to share our faith. We need to know how to talk to other people, how to serve other people with excellence, how to just get involved in someone's life and show them that they matter and that they're important and that we care about them for the purpose of gaining that influence for the kingdom of God. Another piece of influence is going to be creating opportunities to serve our communities corporately. Because sometimes you may be a little afraid to do something by yourself, but when you do it with other people, you kind of feel like, oh, that wasn't so bad because I did something with someone else. And a lot of times that helps erase those fears initially. And so one of the strategies that we're going to implement this year to help our church grow in confidence and influence is we're going to do some things together to serve our communities corporately and the cool thing is is that i had a gal come up to me after the service and she hadn't even been to this service yet she just walked through the doors coming to this service and she said hey i've got these ideas what if we did this and this and this and this i said just hold on i'm gonna preach all that stuff okay because she was right on the money with exactly what exactly what we're going to be doing. She said, so-and-so wants to do this and this and this. And I was like going, that's exactly what I'm going to preach about. So you just see how God's already moving on people's hearts before we're even talking about this stuff, which is super cool. And then another piece of influence is going to be empowering our community groups to serve their neighborhoods, where our community groups are actually owning the neighborhood where they meet and where they have community group. And they actually begin to take on their neighborhood as a mission field. And so that's going to be another strategy that we're going to implement for our church to grow in influence. So the question I want to ask is, why do you do what you do? Because why, you, why the, the, the thing that's driving that why, the thing that's the answer to that question, that's really what's going to keep you moving forward. Because we can get all excited, we can get all jazzed up, we can high five, we can go, yeah, let's go do it. And if we don't stay focused on the why, we're going to get off course. If we don't stay focused on the why, then we can learn the what and the how. But if the why is not there, then I'm going to get exhausted and burn out doing the what. I need to understand why it is that I do what I do. So that way I'm reminded of the purpose of the investment of my time, my talent, and my treasure. So when I begin to get weary in those areas, I'm reminded of why. And I can pick myself back up and go, no, this matters because I know why I'm doing what I'm doing. 
Why do we come to church? Why do we want to pray? Why do we want to grow in maturity? Why do we want to grow in family? Why do we want to grow in influence? Why? 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 There's got to be a reason, and it's got to be more than, because Pastor Derek said so? I mean, I liked the sermon that day, and I was kind of like, okay, yeah, let's do it. There's got to be a better reason than that. There's got to be a better reason than, well, because I'm supposed to. Or Jesus said so. It's in red in my Bible. I guess that's why. I don't know. You've got to be convicted of the why. Amen? You've got to move forward with conviction because you need to remind yourself of it because there's a lot of things that would want to discourage you from doing anything that's going to cause the influence of the kingdom of God to grow in this dark world. There's a lot of things that want to intimidate you, a lot of things that want to discourage you. They want to make you throw your hands up and go, oh, well, I guess, you know, it's not for me. That's for certain people, or I guess I'm just not good at that or good at this. And all these excuses that would keep us ineffective as Christians. God wants us to grow to the next level. So I'm going to show you in Scripture some of the why we're doing what we're doing. And I'm going to move pretty quick here so you can write these down. Mark 16 And verse 15 through 16, Jesus said this, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized is going to be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. So he says, listen, if they believe, he said, they're going to be saved. If they don't believe, they're going to be condemned. Man, let me tell you, if I really believe that that's true, that's scary. That's a why that should motivate me to want to share the good news of the gospel because I don't want people to be condemned. Man, let me tell you, people are so funny. We care about some of the simplest things. Think about it. A stranger you've never met before will tell you when you go to a restaurant or perhaps you're checking out in the checkout line, you've never met this person before, and they'll say something like this to you. Be careful out there. Roads are slippery. There's a lot of ice out there. Be careful. I've never met you. Why are you giving me this advice? Because at some level, they care about your safety. At some level, they feel the need to warn you, be careful. It's, even if you, you, you've maybe been to the grocery store before and there was a spill and they haven't quite gotten all the caution signs out yet because it just happened, someone will stand there oftentimes. If it's a good grocery store. Someone will stand there <laughs> until the caution signs are put out and what will they tell you? They'll warn you. They'll say, hey, hey. Be careful, this is slippery here. Something was just spilled. Why? Because they're concerned. They don't want you to slip and fall. They don't want you to break your ankle. They don't want you to break your arm or get injured. A complete stranger will warn me about something that could probably heal up in a matter of weeks or months, even if I did fall. Isn't that crazy? A complete stranger will come up to you and tell you, be careful, I don't want you to break your ankle. Well, maybe... Let's say that they didn't warn me. I break my ankle. It's probably most likely going to heal. I may need a surgery if it's a really bad break, and then I'll have the superpower of telling the weather because that happens after surgery somehow with people. Um, and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, I'm healed and I'm up walking again. I may be on crutches for a little while, but I mean, I, it's not the end of the world. But yet, we don't feel compelled to tell people The message that could not just affect their ankle, but could affect their eternity? Man, it it, it shows me, do we really understand why? Do we see why this is important that we need to tell people about the message of Jesus Christ? Because if they hear it, if they believe, then it's going to change their 
eternity. Matthew 9 and 37, Jesus said this, The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. The harvest is there. It's not like there's so many churches in Sheboygan County that we're good. And everybody's good because everybody's a Christian in Sheboygan County, right? We're good, right? No, of course not everyone knows Jesus. And even those who may profess to know Jesus, do they really know him? Or, they have, or have they just been educated very thoroughly about him? And they can just recite things because they were taught to recite them, but they don't know him. It's like you quoting a stat sheet of your favorite football player or baseball player, but you've never met the guy. And if you did, you'd creep him out. Because you would know everything about him, and he'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa there, freak show, why don't you back off a little bit? You can memorize every stat, every fact about your favorite sports star or celebrity, and they won't know you just because you know a lot about them. So many people in our area, they either don't know Jesus or they know a lot about Jesus, but they've really never met him. Because when you meet Jesus, something changes. Something changes. There's something in me that refuses to allow things to be the way that they've always been. There are things that I used to do. Now I'm going, I don't want to do those things. And there's things that I used to not do that I feel compelled to do. Because Jesus grips my heart and he changes my heart. He's just not some fire insurance policy that I get. Because if I really believe hell's real, I don't want to go there because it sounds bad. I want to know Him. I want to love Him. I want to have a relationship with Him because He has changed my eternal standing with God. He has changed my eternity. And so the harvest is ripe. The harvest is plentiful. There's a great need for people to hear the saving message of the gospel. Somebody just has to get a hold of the why. Somebody has to have a passion for that. Somebody has to weep over those who don't know Jesus or those who may be so entrenched with religion but they've never met Jesus but they just know a lot about it. Do you know Him? I didn't ask how many Bible verses you can spit out. I didn't ask how many times you go to church or how much money you give in the offering. I didn't ask how much volunteer work you do and how, how, how nice and generous you are with your time and your talents and your treasure. Do you know Him? Because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. You could lose everything that this world has to offer. Everything that you've worked so hard for, that you try to protect and preserve. But if you still have Jesus, you still have everything you need. Amen. Is he that to you? Is he that to people in our area? <coughs> There's still people who need to come in contact with Jesus Christ. Romans 10 and verse 10 says this. With the heart one believes and is justified. And then with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. There's no distinction between the Jew or the Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how are they going to call on him whom they haven't believed? How are they going to believe in him whom they have not heard? How are they going to hear if someone doesn't preach? How are they going to preach unless they're sent? Has 
It is written how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And then Paul, the apostle, writes to young Timothy, a sort of pastor, shepherd, leader figure who ministered to a certain group of people in a certain location. He says this in 2 Timothy 4 and 5. As for you, Timothy, be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. I think it's interesting that the Apostle Paul tells Timothy, who is in more of a pastoral elder leader role, to do the work of an evangelist. Isn't that odd? Because I'm like, wait a minute, telling people about Jesus, that's the evangelist's job. I'm not an evangelist, I'm over here. What? Hold the phone. What? Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. So many times we get this compartmentalized idea about the way that we are to function as Christians and we pass off the things that we are intimidated to do or the things that we make excuses to do because it's not the most convenient. Well, that's just not my gift. Well, Paul told Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. And in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 20, Paul tells the church in Corinth that to each one of us has been given the message of reconciliation. That means if you've been reconciled or you've been made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ, that means you have a ministry of reconciliation. I don't care what your title is. That's what Paul's saying. I don't care what your title is. I don't care if you think you're just called to shepherd this group of people. Well, I just want to preach. I just want to do it. He said, yeah, that's good. Do that. But do the work of an evangelist. Because people need to hear the gospel. Amen? Amen. He said, fulfill your ministry. Make sure that you're just not getting isolated and focused on just you and you alone. Because if Christianity was all about me getting saved and then me just doing my own thing until I either die or Jesus comes back, whichever comes first, what a purposeless life that I would live. Well, I guess I'm just going to float around, have a good time, you know, whatever. No, we all have something that we are called to do, and that's to tell others about Jesus Christ. Well, I don't know about this evangelist thing. You want to know what evangelist means? You don't know what that word evangelist means? It means a bringer of good news. That's all that means. I like bringing good news to people. It's awesome. A lot better than bringing bad news to people. If you enjoy bringing bad news to people, we need to talk. I mean, we need to pray or something. I mean, it's pretty twisted, man. I love bringing good news to people. I'm the worst person on the planet for you to tell me to tell someone else good news, but I can't tell them yet. Don't do that to me. Oh, hey, I want you to go tell somebody this, but don't do it for like a week. Yeah, right. That's not going to happen. I get so excited. My wife and I, for the first like 10 years of our marriage, we gave each other Christmas presents like in October because we got so excited about it that we were just like, uh, I've got a, a, a present for you today. Oh, yeah, did you? Yeah, what did you get? Well, you're not going to get it until Christmas. Okay, here you go. <laughs> it's only two, three months early. I'm the worst, man, because I love bringing good news. How much better is the news that Jesus Christ died on the cross for us while we were yet sinners for the purpose of making a way for us to be right with God so we could spend eternity with Him. How good is that? How awesome is that? How good is that news? We have the best news in the world. Amen? Amen. We have the greatest message in the universe. In Ephesians 4, 
And verse 11 says this, He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. He said, listen, the reason we have these things in place is so the saints can be equipped for the work of the ministry, so that the influence of the kingdom of God can be spread, so more people can come to know Christ, so more people can grow in being disciples who are growing and loving God, loving people, serving the world, so so more people can be healed of the wounds of their past, so more people can be restored from disappointments and discouragements, so more people can be uh, hopeful about the fact that they are loved and that they are accepted as to where life and, and people in their lives have rejected them and wounded them. Where people can have restoration in friendships and marriages and and, and with their children. And there can be restoration in those things. Where people can find that God is good and that He loves them and that He's for them and not against them. Man, we have the best stinking message on the planet. But guess what? It's not just me who's supposed to share it. Amen? Amen? We need to be equipped to share our faith, to share good news, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this year, we're going to grow in the how to share the message and the opportunity to do so. But before we grow in those things, we need to understand the why. Because sometimes I can get exhausted if I just think it's just a how or just a what. No, I need to have that why at my core, fueling my actions. And when I begin to get weary, I need to remind myself of why I'm doing what I'm doing. If you're volunteering here at Word of Grace and you begin to get weary, remind yourself, why are you doing what you're doing? If you're you're serving people at your job and all of a sudden you begin to get disgruntled or you begin to get frustrated, remind yourself, why are you doing what you are doing? Because as we remind ourselves of the why, we'll begin to see that there's a lot more opportunities than we thought. It's not a lack of opportunity, is it? No. Because influence in the body of Christ is not suffering because there's a lack of opportunity. (laughs) The harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. It's the laborers who are few. So we need to be praying that God would raise up more laborers. And and, and, and maybe if you're not laboring in the the fields for God, then you need to ask yourself, well, maybe I could be the answer to someone praying that prayer. Maybe I could be the answer to someone praying that prayer because it's time for me to step up. It's time for me to stop sitting on my hands, sitting on my gifts. It's time for me to stop sitting on the fact that, 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 that well, I'm worried about what someone's going to think or I'm worried about what if I don't do it just right. No, you've got to start somewhere, amen? It's not because there's a lack of opportunities. It's because there's a lack of people stepping out and doing something. And, and, and I think that these things are everywhere. Opportunities are literally everywhere. Opportunity to serve others with the love of God is everywhere. It's not just on Sunday in church, man. It's everywhere. It's in everyday life. And when we begin to see that, when our paradigm begins to shift in that direction, it opens up a whole new world of ministry and evangelism that we never thought possible because we always made it really hard. I'll tell you something simple that God did with me. In case you weren't aware, um, <laughs> I'm a season ticket holder for the Milwaukee Bucks. I might have mentioned that <laughs> once or twice. Um, and, uh, and I got the opportunity to be on um, the board as well. Uh, it's just crazy. I wasn't looking for that. God just opened up that door. It's insane. And I could go, yeah, this is really cool. I got season tickets. Yeah, I'm on the board. Yeah. But at the same time, I start going, okay, let me look at this through kingdom lens. God, what are you wanting me to do with this? 
Because it's not just me getting this great opportunity. No, it's going, okay, God, what do you want me to do with this? And so when I go to the games, there's a gal and her mother that have season tickets, and they have season tickets right next to where our seats are. Because when you're a season ticket holder, you have the same seats all year long. There's this lady and her mom that sit there. And they're there most of the time, and, and, and we're there, you know, probably about half the time. And, and when we go, the very first time, the Lord dropped it in my heart and said, I want you to start ministering to this lady. And so I just started getting to know her. I didn't start off like this. Hi, my name is Derek Armstrong, pastor of Word of Grace. Uh, let me preach you a sermon real quick. Hang on. <laughs> Matter of fact, she, she never even asked what I did for a living until we were friends on Facebook. Then she kind of felt bad about some things later on. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, that, uh, when, when, when she, she became friends with my wife and I on Facebook, and she started opening us, up to us about her life, and we, we're getting to know this lady. She lives in Fond du Lac, and she travels quite a distance, and we do too, to go to the basketball games. It's been great. Something as silly as a basketball game. Basketball has no weight on eternity. The Packers have no weight on eternity. I know some of you are like, hold the phone, Pastor. <laughs> they don't. It's great, it's fun, but guess what? It doesn't have any weight on eternity, but me interacting with someone because of that could. And the way that I act and the way I interact. Now, me and this gal started talking, and she talked to my wife, and we were becoming friends with her, connecting with her, and all of a sudden now she begins to share about things that are happening in her life, and God opened up a door, and she didn't even know I was a pastor until a little bit later, and then she found out, and, and that's even happened to me in the gym before, you know, I'll befriend people, and... And, uh, and then people, oh, I didn't know you were a pastor. Oh, sorry, whatever I said the other day. And I'm like, why do people do that? Don't do that. And this is what I tell them. This is what I tell them. I say, listen, if I didn't say anything about it then, I'm not going to say anything about it now. That My friendship with you is not based on how you act around me. I just want you to know I care about you. you know? It's not, oh, well, now that you know I'm a pastor, cat's out of the bag. You better straighten all that up. <laughs> That's not what Jesus did. Jesus didn't go, hey, I'm the son of God. Cut the language out, buddy. I'm offended. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus sat and ate with thieves and prostitutes. Not those that were reformed prostitutes. Active prostitutes. Active thieves. (laughs) It's crazy. He sat with them and just loved them. Right where they were. He didn't approve of what they did by any means. He didn't say, keep going out, out there and keep on sinning. No, he, he tried to help them. He's trying to love on them. That's what we're called to do, amen? amen? It's in the simple stuff, folks. It's in going, okay, God, I have this opportunity. Maybe you get a promotion. Instead of just looking at it as that means more money in your pocket and more responsibility, what door is, is God opening for you to begin to influence people for his kingdom? The influence that you have that he's blessed you with, that he's given you, no matter how small or great, whether it's your boss, your co-workers, whether it's your, your children, whether it's your spouse, whether it's those that you come in contact with every day, how can I show them the love of God and the truth of God in the little things? Because if you do those little things consistently, people are going to see you're the real deal. Amen? Amen. They're going to see you're the real deal. People are going to wake up to some things in their own heart because someone cared about them. Because, you know, that's really all people are looking for. People are just looking for somebody to care. That's really all they're looking for. They're not looking for somebody to be able to preach a great sermon, three points, and a poem. You know, 
They're not looking for somebody to be able to have all of the answers for all of life's problems. They just want to know somebody cares. I mean, my goodness, that's all they're looking for in your everyday life. And if you begin to care about people, well, who's going to care about you? Well, that's what our church family is for. We want to help care about you and, and, and to care for you and love you right where you're at. But instead of us being so worried about ourselves, what if we began to deflect that attention onto serving someone else? You think things would change if we got a hold of that? Yeah, instead of making it all about us, we began to serve other people and say, yeah, how can I serve this person? Even though, man, I kind of have a rotten attitude going into work today. I really don't want to be here. But you know what? How could I serve someone else? And once you begin to do that, you begin to find the joy in serving. And all of a sudden, God begins to open up doors of influence to where now he's putting you in different positions for a kingdom purpose. You just thought that you got that job because you were so smart and savvy and went to school. You just thought that you decided to go to the grocery store and, and, and wait in this really long line that was super annoying. But maybe God is setting you up. Have you ever thought about that? You ever thought about maybe the reason you're in that long line is because there's somebody there who is struggling, who could be contemplating suicide, someone who could be contemplating uh, leaving their spouse, someone who is thinking that, I don't know if anyone cares, and all of a sudden you just begin to say, hey, how are you doing? And the next thing you know, something very small changes someone's life because a believer understood they're an evangelist. I have a mission. I understand the why. It's not me just going and floating through the day. I have a purpose that's greater than that. Amen? Amen. A purpose that's greater than that. You just thought you were going about in your day in a casual manner, but God said, no, I'm trying to set you up with opportunities because the harvest is right. I'm just looking for laborers who will go, i got a purpose, and I'm going to live this life with a purpose. And you know what? People are looking for somebody to care. I'm somebody who can care. I'll care about them right where they're at. Amen? Not when they get so perfect and then they're worthy of me caring about them. Oh, now you're worthy of me caring about you. Now you're worthy of me sitting down and eating lunch with you. No. Right in the middle of the junk, just caring about people, man. So how can you show care to others? How can you bring value to others? Here's some ways we're going to do it as a church. We're going to open up our homes. That's part of our strategy and influences. We want to create opportunities to serve corporately. We're going to do things together. We're going to open up our homes. We're going to have community groups get involved in their neighborhoods. We're going to begin investing in relationship for the sake of the gospel. We're going to begin to recognize opportunities. We're going to begin to say, you know what? Maybe God is setting me up. Maybe it's not just this cool thing that's happening in my life. Maybe it's not the fact that I just really like this person that I'm sitting next to. Maybe it's not the fact that I had this great volunteer opportunity. And No. Maybe it's God setting you up and you recognize that. I want us to gain influence to where we begin to see people in this church begin to answer the call to go and plant churches. People to answer the call to go and be missionaries in the mission field. Amen? Amen. I answer the call, people answering the call to go out and to just own their neighborhood for the gospel and let people know that Jesus is alive and Jesus is real and that Jesus cares about them and they do it in the simple ways. Let me help you shovel your snow, sir or ma'am. I haven't met you before. I know we've been neighbors for 20 years and we've never said hello. <coughs> that kind of stuff happens all the time. It's the simple things, amen? amen. Where you just reach out and start caring for one another. That's one of the reasons we did the two-minute countdown thing today where we were wanting to just have a time that would kind of force everybody to move outside their comfort zone. It's good to be forced outside your comfort zone because sometimes you won't do it on your own, right? 
And then you hear people who've been at Word of Grace for a while, they'll say things like, oh, we've had so much growth and there have been so many people come and the church is actually uh, just healthy and, and, and well, it's great, but I just don't know anybody because all of the newer people. Well, get out of your comfort zone. Step out and go meet someone. Say hello to somebody. Everybody's a new person once, right? And then people who are newer, they're looking to be connected. Step outside of your comfort zone. Go say hello. Go get connected. Go do something. Invite someone to lunch or or, or stay after church and talk to somebody. Just go say, ask them what they do for a living. How long they've been coming to Word of Grace? You know? Just just talk to people. We make it a lot harder than it is. But when we do these types of things, it helps us to see, you know what, this ministry thing isn't as hard as I made it. Amen? Amen? So in influence, we're equipping the body for evangelism. We're creating opportunities to serve our communities corporately because sometimes when you do it together, it helps build that confidence. And we're going to do some cool stuff this year where we're going to serve our communities corporately. And if you have any ideas, I'm all ears. I'd love to hear it. Also, we're going to empower our community groups to serve their neighborhoods just to get to know your neighbors. Not for the fact of just having a friendly neighbor that when you're on vacation, they'll keep an eye on the house for you. But having a neighbor and going, you know what, maybe I live in this neighborhood because there are people in my neighborhood who need Jesus, and maybe I could build relationships with them, and I could begin to use where God has placed me at this time to be able to influence them for the gospel. Amen. What a different paradigm shift than just thinking, I like this house, I like this neighborhood. What if God says, no, the reason all the financing and everything worked out for you to get hooked up in that house is because I wanted to put people who are God-fearing people, who believe in Jesus Christ, who are equipped and called, and who understand they have a purpose and they understand the why. I wanted to put them strategically in a neighborhood because there's people in that area that need Jesus. That's a different way of thinking, isn't it? If we start thinking that way, though, we're going to be a lot more effective. As evangelists, we'll be a lot more effective in gaining influence and gaining ground for the kingdom of God. So we want to do things to equip and empower those groups to be able to serve and empower our church family to be able to grow. So I want to ask you this question. And I've asked you this question at the end of every one of these messages in this Grow to the Next Level series. In 2016, will you commit to grow to the next level in influence for the kingdom of God? I asked you if you would commit to grow in maturity... You said yes. I think you did anyways. I mean, I can't hear everybody's voice. I asked you to commit to growing to the next level as a church family. You said yes. Will you commit in 2016 to growing to the next level of influence for the kingdom of God? Yes. Will you do it? I'm talking to myself. I'm talking to you. All of us together. This is a together thing. We're all doing this. We're all recognizing, hey... When I go out to eat lunch today, if I go out and sit down at a restaurant and I have a waiter or waitress come, I'm going to go, hmm, maybe this is an opportunity to help someone today just by loving on them. Maybe they're new. Maybe they're that. Don't you love it when you go to the restaurant and you get a new person? That's the best. (laughs) Not the best. It's the greatest. You want me to tell you why it's the greatest? Because how many people are going to be rude to that young guy or young gal? Because they're still learning the the ropes. And then all of a sudden you do something different. And they go, what? (coughs) And it makes them perk up and go, that was different. I I, I didn't think I'd get any tips today. As a matter of fact, they put on there, I owed them money. (laughs) Like minus 18% for you. (coughs) 
and you tip them and you tip them well. What if you did something like that? You know what kind of an impact? And what if you just wrote on, on the ticket? What if you just wrote on there, you know, Jesus loves you. Have a great day. Thanks for serving us today. Wow. What would, what would that do? Something simple like that. What if that person came to Christ and then one day in heaven this person comes up to you and they tell you in heaven, the reason I'm here is because you did something simple. And it caused me to go, what? Everyone else treated me like garbage. Everyone else treated me like I was insignificant and I didn't matter. But you <coughs> treated me differently. You used the influence that you have for the kingdom of God. Amen? You use the influence you have to stop and go, you know what, this isn't all about me. Yeah, it might be a little inconvenience because my food was cold or because they didn't get it just right. But I want to be a representative of Jesus Christ. And because of that, I'm holding myself to a higher standard. And because of that, I realize that I'm going to show them a different way. This is how everyone else acts. But I'm going to choose to do something different. Because I have a why. I have a purpose. I'm an evangelist. I'm a laborer. I'm a servant. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. The problem in this world is that the world doesn't realize they need to be forgiven and healed and restored by a holy God who loves them. But guess what? The good news is, is that you have the answer because the answer is Jesus. Amen? Amen? You have the answer. We have the answer. And it's time to grow in loving God, loving people, and serving the world. Let's grow to the next level together. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.